Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Paradigm. We are so thankful for you tuning in. We hope you enjoy the channel and all the videos you've seen so far. In this week's episode, we're talking about Chapter 4 from the book The Catalyst by Jonah Berger. The title of this chapter is Uncertainty. Before I let you get into the video, I want to remind you to subscribe to the channel, like the video, drop us a comment below. You know we love the feedback. And follow us on all our social media platforms. All the information will be in the description below. Enjoy. Outro. Ready? Welcome, everybody. Um, this is Paradigm Podcast. We are on Chapter 4 of uh, The Catalyst, How to Change Anyone's Mind. And we are on the title, Uncertainty. And this is also the new setup that we got. Because our boy John decided to move back to Virginia to be a welding teacher. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, yeah. What'd you guys think He's of the virtual. chapter? Uh, I loved it. I, I loved it. Yeah, I like this chapter a lot. Um, I'm going to go ahead and turn my microphone volume real quick. Turn me up, B. How are you doing over there, John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, guys liked, you guys like this chapter a lot? Yeah, I liked it. Um, it was kind of straightforward to me. I felt like you... It's a... It, it works really well in sales. If you're starting a business, uh, for anyone listening to this episode, I feel that this book would be great for a lot of people who want to start a business or at least go into sales or learn how to change someone's mind for their product, not mm -hmm. just to change their mind. Yeah. yeah. True. A big, a big reason why I like this uh, chapter is because the end of, towards the end of the chapter is where it starts to break down um, the subheadings. Um, and it's almost like it's teaching you something about uncertainty and why people feel uncertain about specific reasons. And it gives you that uh, that comparison of A and B and why you should not avoid certain things, but how you can approach uncertainty. Mm. And so that's I, when I was reading this, I was like, OK, so how do I take this and move it into what I'm doing today at our meeting? And how will I be able to identify things that the people are that are going to make a deal with us what would they be uncertain about and how would i be able to identify mm. that and will i be True. able to counteract it um so it was that's why it was a big uh chapter for me is because i could apply it right away nice yeah yeah i agree what about you, Jay? i thought it was a really good chapter uh it was really interesting to think about you know it even applied for myself where it was, hey, I'm uncertain about things, and um, this is the reason why I feel uncertain about it and why it's maybe a little trepidatious about stepping into like a new field, like the master's with geology that mm -hmm. I'm going into. Right. So what I did is I kind of, I went and downloaded a brain web app, you know, it's like brainstorming webs you can do, mm -hmm. and kind of just broke it all down, what I need to achieve. I thought it was really interesting, and it, it took away the uncertainty factor and made me feel a little bit more confident in the process I had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as that, like the chapter was pretty, um, why'd you ask, um, um, we thought, John, you thought it was, we thought it was really good. Do you not, did you not really like the chapter? I thought it was just kind of boring. <laughs> I was reading it. I was, that's why you guys were like all sites. I was like, y'all were sites about this. Don't get me wrong. I, I do. I get where you're coming from, Dev, how it's pretty applicable, especially in that meeting setting you just had. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, like, it didn't was, blow my socks off or anything. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that, too, because there was a lot of just boring um, examples, like the shoe site, and then on top of that, they kept throwing in um, all of the 
the, the examples were it was a little bit much to read over and over and over mm-hmm. the same sample over and again like it, so it was a lot of examples so yeah definitely. yeah let's hop into it all righty yeah. um so who can start us off with the first yeah, i mean because i didn't uncertainty tack is un, the uncertainty tax is kind of where i would take notes is where i right picked up um real quick while you're doing that um the topic that i kind of wrote down for this chapter was uh on page 137 and 146 it says the devaluing of things uncertain is called the uncertainty tax to combat this our options are harness freemium reduce upfront costs drive discovery and make it reversible so it kind of that is an overall encompassing of okay here's uncertainty tax and here's our um our routes to addressing that and so we'll get into those sure. individually. Yeah. Nice. No, um, yeah. So the question that I had for everyone was, uh, are you the type of person that would choose something that's good for sure, or would you rather take the gamble for something that's better but maybe also worse at the same time? I would like to say for sure. For, for me personally, I would, but I feel like I would take a gamble. I honestly personally feel I would want to lean into a gamble because what if I could win more? But I think the logical thing I would say now is, yeah, I would take the for sure thing because that's kind of what majority of people would do. I think it would be, depending on what it is, if we're talking about like the hotel thing, I would just take the for sure. Uh, for sure? Yeah. It, it really depends on the subject matter. The level think. of uncertainty. But if it was the one that was like, okay, you can, you can, it's 50-50 chance you can get a $50 gift card or you can get the $100 lottery ticket, I would be more risk averse in that one where I would want to jump into the the risky one and I'll pay 50 bucks because then at that point I've zeroed out my balance on the gift card or I've just doubled up on the yeah, water ticket. 50. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would, I would lean more into the risk, but if it's like a hotel, then I would be for sure. You know, really depends on the subject. How about you? Uh, I would be, I am usually the person that gets the for sure. Okay. Even John pointed out, I was, <laughs> I thought about you today, John, I went to uncle Harry's today and I remember the last conversation you were like, yeah, you 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 always get the Florentine, the avocado. That's it from Uncle Harry's. Shout out to Uncle Harry's. Mm-hmm. Paradigm should be sponsored by Uncle Harry's. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I decided to get a little crazy today, and I got the Oso hash. It's pretty good. Nice. Yeah, that that is good. pretty good, right? Yeah, they're all pretty good. <laughs> it's fun to try things. Do you miss Uncle Harry's? Uh, yeah, Uncle Harry's does slow. I do miss those everything bagels. You know what I'm saying? But they ain't got nothing whatever. like that in Virginia. Oh, <laughs> uh, I slapped the Anita's this morning, which is like this Mexican place that's got like dollar burritos. The worst service ever, though. I was like, I was like, let's sit down. I was like, it's for the experience. And I go, oh, I forgot. It's bad service. That's part of the experience. <laughs> but whatever. Oh yeah, that's uh, the gamble, right? Yeah, the uncertainty. The uncertainty. What about you, John? Uh, what do you what do you think you would lean into? The, to, to take going off, going off that question, I think Jay's right. It's situational. Like I think we have a factor, but I would say I would probably lean into like the gamble part. I feel like that. Uh, I don't know if I could win more. Like it'd be worth it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I feel the same. It is. It's definitely a situational difference in everything that can be a risk reward so if it's just 50 bucks to win 50 more dollars i would definitely take a gamble on that but if we're talking like mm-hmm. property like a hotel like yeah that's a totally different yeah yeah agreed 
All right, so any anything else uh, moving on with the uncertainty tax? I have Can we explain uh, what quotes. that is better for maybe the listeners? What uncertainty tax is in this book? Oh, I, ha- I think I have it highlighted somewhere. One of, one of the things in this book is devaluing the devalu- devaluing of things uncertain is called the uncertainty tax. That's on page 137. Mm. Okay. We they, devalue things uh, because it's of the uncertainty that it, it, it provides in or the whatever. Decision. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Definitely. It's almost devalued just on that factor alone. Right. Yep. Mm. I have two quotes, um, one on one, page 139 and one on 140. It says here, change almost always involves some degree of uncertainty. The more change involves Mm. uncertainty, the less interested people are in changing. So I thought it was really interesting. That is page 139 and 140. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting because I can, like, think of multiple situations in my life where it's like, hey, like, I'm seeing changes in you as a person. What are you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm reading books. Pick, mm-hmm. pick up the book. We can discuss it together. I don't know. I'm a little uncertain. I don't want to do it. Mm. You know? And I could yeah. see that played out in people around me or even in myself. Do, can you guys look back and see any situations in yourself where you're... Just starting this uh, this podcast alone, I feel like, and being able to, to read books just with us. There, and when we tried to initially share some of the topics with other men around us or even our friend groups, there was... A level of uh, they're like, oh yeah, well, that's cool, but I don't think I want to read or mm-hmm. I don't, I don't going to really talk about these things. Or no follow through. I know a lot of people that yeah. play with the idea. They go, oh, it's so cool, and then like there's no follow through with their talk. They're just kind of saying it because they want to be socially accepted. Yeah, that's how we. That's how we were at first too with the ideas that we'd bring to the table. Um, I think this is the first idea that actually True. came to fruition. Um, we tried to sell True. things. We tried to. We took different approaches. Ideas were, lay, were laid on the table, and we kind of just, they vanished because we, we, we allowed them to vanish. And uncertainty tax, um, to clarify, an uncertainty tax to me sounds as if it's um, not money. There's no monetary value. That's the risk-to-reward part of the uncertainty, uncertainty tax. But the main uncertain part of the taxing is energy and effort. How much do I have to give to, re, to receive? Right. Um, a lot of people are not willing to put the energy forward because it may take more energy to m- make a better reward. Um, so people I, just don't I, would, I would say I, I look at it almost as a, a weight on your mind and making a decision, the uncertainty tax, where if, if it's cut and dry, there's not too much baggage in your head in your decision making. Yeah. But if you're uncertain about it, it really starts lagging you down. Like, hmm, should I do this? Should I not? Because you're not clear mm, what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. That's real. I can think of a couple instances in this journey that we've been in where uncertainty has been something that we've attacked. Like when we first started, it was, okay, what are our roles? We were uncertain about our roles, Mm -hmm. causing us to be a little less likely to actually do the job, right? Right. Or John's leaving right before John left. It was the when I brought it to your to the attention of like I would like to keep this going, but I'm uncertain how it's going to be going going forward. How are we going to attack that? You yeah. know, and it's provided. You know, I can even see it in, in myself. It was like, hey, I'm a little uncertain about how this is going to be moving forward, so I was a little less likely to pursue it. You know, I felt that even in myself, and that's right. kind of why I wanted to address that. I think that may be a 
a, a major factor in why a lot of people succeed and a lot of people fail is because the the fact that the certain factor isn't isn't placed there anymore. Um, when you have the same desire and nothing changes and you can remain that motivated through the whole process, then it makes everything easier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everything is easier because you're always motivated. You always have the desire. But when things change and you have to adapt to things that it may not be the best or the way you p- pictured it in your head or how you imagine, that's where people start to dive away from and swim away from the, the thing that they wanted to pursue, a podcast. is. Mm-hmm they stop it because, oh, John left and uh, let's kind of just go into something else or maybe it just fades away. But if we figure out how to adapt and, 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 and evolve with our changing, I think it just makes our podcast stronger. It makes us stronger as individuals and we understand how to change to situation rather than like false realities that, oh, it should look like this because I have an image in my head. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what we're tapping into? The virtual podcast market. <laughs> we just started you know, something, bro. No, I'm just kidding. Just up. Uh, <laughs> it sounds pretty dope to me. I mean, we're kind of like, this is, this could be something. Just, you know? um, oh, yeah. g- going off what Devin was just talking about, you know, I-, I think change is, I think of it as like a muscle, you know, and some people don't exercise the muscle of, of changing. And you can see that with people. And I think if you actively pursue strengthening that muscle, Change can be easy for you. You know, it, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't just totally knock you off kilter of, on your life. You know. Yeah, definitely. Like, I have, uh, uh, go for it, John. We, we're we're doing these PD days at school with all these new teachers, and mm-hmm. the the representatives kept being like, "All right, guys, if this seems too overwhelming, we're gonna make it through. We're gonna make it through." They kept repeating that, and I thought to myself, "This seems pretty straightforward, guys. What's the big deal?" And I'm a new teacher. I don't even know what's fucking going on, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, they're setting their ways that it might seem overwhelming to them, you know, but yeah, it's just interesting. Definitely. Uh, that that makes me think of uh, analysis paralysis right here on mm-hmm. one, 140 um, yeah. in the book. It says uncertainty creates uh, yet another roadblock. It often halts decision making entirely. And I've definitely been in that situation where there's so many uncertain things in, in my life. And I don't know what career path to take. Should I apply for this job? Should I should I? read books should i uh branch out of my friend groups or whatever mm-hmm. and sometimes i just freeze up and that's where a lot of my anxiety comes from is just knowing that i'm staying still when i could just make a decision and find out so, oh, yeah. so when you feel that way what do you do to alleviate <clears throat> that stress or alleviate that anxiety how do you move forward when you feel that way for for me i had to train you, myself and maybe- it can to, help the listeners if they deal with that as well. Yeah, for the listeners, uh, for me, uh, it was a little tough to get out of that um, mindset to where I'm stuck in this anxiety phase where I have all these things I need to do, maybe a bunch of doors open in front of me or a lot of things to, to do, and I, I don't make a decision. What gets me out of that is stop thinking entirely or sort of kind of put your, your, uh, your mind on a shelf for a little bit and start doing something. Start start doing it, and, and it'll get you faster to find out if you really want to do that one thing, that one career path, or that one route in, in your life. It, it alleviates a lot of the unknowingness because you're finding out while you're doing it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The podcast, what we're doing right now, it doesn't seem so scary anymore because we're recording now, and we didn't really think about it too much, and we didn't allow ourselves to be frozen by um, uncertainty we just started doing it we started reading and fuck it if we 
find out, you know, the, the wrong things that just gets us closer to the right things to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I d- it mentions it a few times that uncertainty may be worse than um, not taking or uncertainty actually may be worse than a negative outcome because actually you learn something in a negative outcome because you made an action. You right. did something to move in the, the, the direction you wanted to move in the first place mm-hmm. instead of just staying still and not moving at all. Um, so sure. in a sense, uncertainty may be actually worse for you. Not being able to make a choice and decide yeah. mm-hmm. um, may be worse than making a bad mistake. Um, Agreed. Uh, I, I think one of the biggest quotes that really stood out to me about uncertainty, and this came um, from my, one of my teachers in my community college career, it was, life is a journey, right? And sometimes God requires us to step into the dark before he turns the lights on, hmm. right? And so with John, he's going into a, a place that he's, he's somewhat familiar with, but he's uncertain about the job that he's going to be getting into, uh, a certain aspects of it, right? And so he's stepping into the dark uh, with the assurance that he's, he knows he's going to do okay because he, you know, he believes in himself, he's confident, plus he's got God on his side. But you are stepping into the dark somewhat. And yeah. so stepping into the dark with confidence, knowing that at some point the lights will be turned on for you, it, it's Bitch, admirable. I got a headlamp. Facts, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> got, a, got the big lamps, you know? But uh, I have another quote here that comes from, I think it's 140. It says, uncertainty acts like a pause button, stopping action and freezing things where they are. And so my question for that is, where are we paused in uncertainty in our lives and how do we attack that? Okay, mm. I'll, I'll start just because it's right on my head. I've been dealing with getting this apartment and like I negotiated off the original price and I renegotiated again and they denied that. And then I was kind of at a crossroads on whether can I really afford this by myself? Does it work for me financially? What should I do? And then I was just thinking about it laying in bed today. I just said, fuck it. I want a full send. Like what's the worst that can happen? You know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, nice. I went ahead and press it. Cause I had the, I turned my real estate agent on Friday and she goes, what do you want to do? And I go, I'll figure it out on Monday. Give me the weekend, you know? And then I was laying in bed like, you know what, dude? Fuck it. I should, I'm going to full send and it doesn't work out. I'll, I'm happy with where it's at, you know? So I'll just make it work. Oh, yeah. It'll push you harder. You're stepping into the dark. Yeah. That's a, that's how I'm taking – excuse me. That's how I'm viewing a lot of stuff in my life right now is um, I'm taking a lot from um, – one of my partners, Mark, is he likes to dive into things and learn on the go. He doesn't like to sit back and watch and learn and then move into something that may potentially work out, but you're inevitably go inevitably still going to land with mistakes in your in your possession because you're not perfect and we're not going to be a one all the time. So why not just jump in, learn on the go and continue moving forward and while you're making mistakes, you're still moving forward though. There, mm-hmm. There's no True. falling back. It's just you fall down and you get back up and you continue in that process. Right. So that's one big thing that I am taking away from partners and even you guys, even how like what we have set up here, right? Everything changed and we're yeah. still, you know what I mean? Obviously you guys had like, we had a little break because of the travel, mm-hmm. but even then we're still back to it. So I think if we can adapt to change, it's going to make us better as people, podcast, everything, brand, everything. Agreed. Yes, sir. You guys want to move on to another topic? Well, I want to hear your answer to that question. Oh, that um, what I'm in, where I'm stepping in the dark. 
Where are we? Where are you paused at? Where am I paused? Where at? are you paused in uncertainty in your life, and how do we attack it? Hmm. I think I'm paused. Oh. What? Go ahead. I was just gonna say, just the how you attack it thing. I always think of the quote, "How do you eat an elephant?" And the answer is one, one bite, bite at a time. Time. No matter how big the task is, you have to start somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. no task is too big. You make it into a bunch of smaller tasks. If you just start, you know, at least you're making progress. True. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm paused with my sort of my freelance or or my design outside of my in-house design position. Okay. It's still there. It's just I feel like I need to attack it by learning more and more and just doing my art shows. I'm doing this one, and it's going to happen on August 5th. Um, I, I need to do more because even the short amount of time that I've been making pieces with collaborating with like Lexi and Jared and Carlos, I was like, wow, like I have the ability to really make just pure art and it's still there and I can collab and I can set up shows and make things and I want to learn about NFTs and, and whatnot. So the, the, the attack method for me is like what John said. Anytime I feel that that anxiety or that pause is taking place i just gotta start doing shit to find find out and it it alleviates a lot of that one one time one part at a time one bite at a time mm-hmm. helps out one, one thing piece that, at a time you know one thing that always helps me relieve stress or anxiety is just physical activity working out True. running in particular always helps me feel less stressed mm-hmm. once i like, conquer something really hard physically i go okay everything else can't be that big of a deal like what i just did was very hard you know yeah yeah, no, I that, uh, I think productivity kills it, but you just have to know where to be productive in, in the aspect of your life. Because a lot of people will use er, like what we learned in Seven Habits of Effective or Highly Effective People that you have your important task and you have the tasks that are urgent. Some people identify right. with things being productive as urgent, like I got to do laundry tonight. Is that very productive, or is that you just having to do things for the next morning? It's not a long term productivity or important task but you need to get it done it should have been done earlier yeah whatever you can argue that but some people are so productive in that urgency bar urgency field is they forget to to give some urgency to the things that are important learning uh for david's case learning nfts yeah i'm not gonna benefit right away but at least i'm taking a step into the future for my future self Mm -hmm. so i think Uh, a lot of people have trouble with that Moving forward in the book, uh, the next subheading, Harness Freemium. Out of all the different categories, it's on page 146. Right. Mm-hmm. I like the, I like this one a lot on just how to get new customers, etc. David, I think this could be something that you could even capitalize on. Uh, freemium, just so people get a little example, is example, let's say if you use Spotify, you, you can get a free membership and you have ads. Uh, if you pay and you can have that and you can use it as long as you want. But if you want to upgrade and have a better service, you have to subscribe to the actual membership. And that's how they get members. They give you a free one for mm-hmm. free. Right. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, talk, you're talking about getting uh, customers or doing stuff with your name out. At one of these art shows, you could have you could do a raffle where it's like a dollar entry or whatever. And at the end of the thing, whoever wins the raffle gets a free piece by you. And it could be a small piece. Don't make it a big piece. But it gets people, if they're only throwing a dollar and they get a free piece of art, they're going to be interested in trying to work with you. And then after the, whether 
after they get it or after other people see it, maybe they're more interested in working with David because they've seen something and they didn't lose anything. You know what I'm saying? They didn't put any, they didn't put any money down for it. Yep. True. Cause Damn, in, that's, in the, yeah. And then the, there's a paragraph before uh, freemium. Um, John got already broke it down, but want to go back. It says trial ability works because making things easier to try, uh, to try and lower, try mm. lowers uncertainty. It makes it easier for people to experience and evaluate new things. So if they don't, know what you're doing and you can offer something free it's free you don't have yeah, to accept, show up and put some energy on showing up then it's free mm-hmm. yeah because maybe i'm uncertain on how your art is but if i get a free piece of art i'm pretty hype about it and then i like it maybe i want to work with you more or their friends see it building you know? that fan base yeah and that goes for you know our listeners too these things are very specific to like what we do you know i'm, I'm into art so we're using those examples but if for all the young men and women out there, if you're starting a business, look into these concepts, you know, like freemium, uh, free subscriptions, free um, initial products and whatnot to sort of build your fan base. And fuck, I'm gonna try it. Yeah, that's that's that, gonna be, that's an interesting thing. Like if we can get someone to do something cause we're trying it and we're not even at the level we wanna be at yet and they're in the process with us, that's probably gonna be like, why this whole thing this whole podcast the brand is all worth it i'm gonna do i'm gonna do that i'm gonna try it for the the viewers if you're viewing and listening i'm gonna do this shit i'm gonna do the free or the i'm gonna do the raffle thing for the art show see how it goes and we'll come back and see what what it what happened oh yeah and dude people love winning shit bro it is so much fun to win something it makes it so much more fun at least for me if i win something i'm like woo so Jonah Berger defines freemium in uh, in that subsection on page 148, fourth paragraph. It says, freemium is a portmanteau, a linguistic blend Ooh. of two words, free and premium. The initial or basic version is free of charge, but the experience is designed so that satisfied users will eventually pay to upgrade to an enhanced or premium version. Ooh. And I mean, how many of us have done that? Amazon Prime. I think that's, I just yeah. did it right now. Yeah, they gave me a free trial for recording Google Meet, so I was like, "Fuck it." <laughs> exactly. We all, yeah, we all do it. I, it even brings up Dropbox as an example. It's like yeah. I had the free Dropbox thing, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I never upgraded. I didn't use it much, but that's kind of you know we all we all do it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I pay yeah. for Spotify, you know. Because oh yeah, I love it. I start seeing it all around now, you know. Yeah, I think because what what he's talking about, a lot of companies do it because it works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Definitely. All right. Trying before buying makes people more likely to buy. Also, I had an idea for us. Um, you know, how could we apply that, you know, to, to our podcast? And we just, we literally brought it up the other day where John was like, we could get some free stickers for our listeners, um, possibly merchandise, or our notebooks, which we're planning to make to sort of write down your own ideas and what you think about some of the books that we've read. Yeah, so go ahead and drop some ideas if you guys have any ideas. Just go drop them in the comments. It could be anything. It could be if it's a specific sticker, if it's a adhesive, uh, if it's a land, uh, a land, what are they? Uh, Lanyards. Lanyards. Lanyard. Um, Lanyard. Yeah, so just drop some ideas for us and we'll maybe get some stuff and create it and we'll give away for free. Yeah, a free Patreon hey. tier. Free MacBook <laughs> Pros, free, uh, <laughs> free Teslas, you know what I'm saying? You get a Tesla. You get a Tesla. <laughs> Please. Hey, just uh, another example of the freemium thing. When I was younger, my mom was car shopping for a new vehicle, and she was uncertain whether she wanted the, this cheap Cherokee or not. And the car salesman said, "Just take it, 
he's like, just take it home for the weekend. He put my little brother's uh, car seat in there. He goes, take it for the whole weekend. Bring it back Monday. If you don't like it, we'll take it back. Dude. Day one, my mom goes, I'm sold. She brought it in the driveway, like, <laughs> had the little brother there. Yeah. Like, I'm, he was like, I'm not taking it back. I'm still, the guy sold the car the second my mom drove off the lot. Boom. Yeah. But, but, she, but she felt that she didn't have to make a decision right then and there, and she got to have a free trial of the car, you know? Hell yeah. You you said you were in sales at one point, right, too, John, right? Oh, that was like my first job. I was a door-to-door salesman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, weed mail, I don't care. Shout out Ahmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn, bro. Did you ever do like free? Did, was that were you like out there just like just do that, just try it, just try it. It's free. Uh, take my, my spiel. Take my vacuum I, for one day. Th- to be honest, the shit I would say it was anything to get a sale. So it was, I would tell lies. So I'm not the best person. <laughs> oh <laughs> no, <laughs> that's funny. Alrighty, reducing upfront costs. This is the second option to address uncertainty if you're trying to change somebody or change yourself personally mm. or even make a sale. Uh, I have it listed as it shrinks the amount of time, money, or effort required at the outset to experience something. Pretty, yeah, It's kind of similar to the freemium thing. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I would say just to circle back to that, I mean, like a, a vehicle is a good example how many of us pay for a vehicle up front nowadays it's very rare you know uh but how they reduce upfront costs is that you get a loan and you pay for it month by month so it doesn't seem like such a big baggage to you yeah you know mm-hmm. you're not paying twenty thousand dollars you're only going to pay 250 dollars a month you can afford that don't you want that new car right right so financing has a big part of that huh so, um they yeah, also I, I would... yeah. go ahead john what are you gonna say? huh no that's it oh, okay um Moving on from, um, it's the same subheading, um, reducing upfront costs. Um, they go in to talk about how money isn't usually the driving force on why people make decisions based on a purchase. Um, it's usually the, um, the way to try it out first. Money does not have a, I guess, equal or the same value behind being able, let's say a pair of shoes. You'll pay the same amount of money but what if you buy them online you don't know what they look like you don't know what they feel like you don't know what they if they even fit a lot of people that was a bit he talks about that in this book is the shoe companies that were going online the e-commerce e-commerce brands they were struggling to sell to customers because the number one problem was customers couldn't try things on Mm -hmm. and it wasn't based on the price or how much it costs because people have they're shopping for a reason they have the money to pay for it it's the uncertainty that it won't fit so right. what companies did, they adjusted years after year after year is they started sending out a lot of uh, uh, try-ons and, um, oh, if you don't like it, you can send it back. 30-day guarantees, 90-day uh, refunds where you can try all these clothes on, f- try everything on, and then send back what you don't want. And their sales went through the roof. So um, a question that I ha- have for us is how do we implement it, it could be for the podcast, but it could be to your personal life as well. How do we? How do you implement um, the uncertainty? Because I think it falls under certain uncertainty tax. How would you impl- uh, apply this concept to your personal life or your business life or whatever um, thing, anything you're going through right now? How are you ad- adjusting to that change? Just like how Zappos adjusts to the change. Okay, online shoppers aren't paying for things. How do we get customers mm. to? To, to shop with us 
So where oh, oh, in our lives can we? Can, can you finish that? Part? Are you are you able to identify the change that needs to happen in your life to make things work, or to continue down the path that you're currently on? Mm. Okay, for myself, there's a laziness factor I can identify in myself sometimes. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, I could, I could think too. Hey, maybe I could try being full force on it for a week, yeah. two weeks, you know, instituting a trial period of like, this is what I would like to see myself doing and do and looking like every single day, my day. Let me do a trial period of that for two weeks and see how I, how I like it. But I have to do it for those two weeks. You could apply. So the question to you specifically would be, how did you, how do you identify that with your school? Cause I feel like you already did that with your, your master, your, uh, your grad program that you're going through right now you had to adapt adapt to some change to successfully go from a student to wanting to become a professor in some way you know what i mean or a scientist in the geology field i it's definitely in progress yeah there's a there's that jump from student to scientist that i've i've taken the first step towards but it's a process right like i can be i can say i'm gonna do it that's step one and, and apply and take the initiative to actually jump into the program. But now it's about, okay, instead of two hours a day doing quadrant four material, maybe replacing an hour of that with reading scientific literature mm. or, or clipping out our videos or reading, you know, being more of a productive human being. I can see myself being lazy in certain cases on certain days where I'm like, oh, okay, I just, today I just want to chill. But I think if I could just do a trial period of two weeks of going hard mm. and really developing myself a schedule trial period for two weeks and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, dedicate to it and really do it and see how I feel at the end of those two weeks. Yeah. Right. I mean, it takes 30 days to do a habit. So maybe a month. Yeah. You know, and then see how I'm feeling and be like, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can change this up, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for myself, it would be that identifying the laziness factor and attacking it. I thought it was like three, three days to start a habit. No, it's 30. Yeah. It's like, it, it's close to 30. It's like 21 or 22. Yeah. To, mm -hmm. to actually develop a habit. To make you could start routine. a habit in three days, but developing it and feeling like, okay, this is my everyday thing now. Yeah, make implement it, implement your that habit into a routine. Right, where it becomes like you don't think about it; you just do it. Right. Okay. Like that first month of going to the gym, it's like, okay, well, I want to go three times a week. I only did two this this week, one the next the next week. But really, doing three times a week, you'd have to do it for a month straight to really be able to be like, this is what I do. Oh. Uh. How about you guys? So. uh the question, if you want to go, I don't know if you heard the question, but it's like, what are you implementing right now to identify the change that may need to be required to continue down the path that you want to go down? If it's graphic design, if it's freelancing, if it's this podcast, if it's building media for any. How um, am I identifying the change? Yeah, the change that you may be able to identify or maybe you're not. Maybe things aren't changing. Maybe you, 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 it's hard for you to identify. Um. I think just by action alone, just figuring out if things are, are working or if they're, if they're not. I, it, to me, it's action-based. I, I can tell 
that I need to, every time I start feeling like that, just means I need to start, stop thinking, just do it. Yeah, for me, um, it's, I would want to say, because um, I feel pretty strong in what we have here and building content and building a, a brand. Um, that's kind of like a strong suit for me. Um, I would say real estate and property and, and understanding legality of contracts and all the things that I've never dealt with before is sort of scary. And how do I make that change to make it less scary? How do mm. I learn about it? How do I educate myself while taking the advice from how Mark or how even like Mark and John have similar characteristics? Um, learning on the go. Just keep going. Keep pushing forward. Make mistake. Make mistake. And just keep moving forward. Don't fall and stay down and sleep for a little bit and figure oh I'll, I'll get back to it when i when i feel better no just get up and keep going um so that's sort of how i would tackle the change that may be required that is inevitably inevitably it's going to come into my life okay what about you john uh i don't know about anything in particular right now uh maybe I get with Jay on the like being lazy thing. I've been trading pretty flat like past like two weeks. One week I would say is because we were road tripping and so I was like, eh, fuck it, who cares? But I can already tell like this past week I wasn't really diving in like I was prior to the road trip. I got out of the habit of really being on my shit and I mean I needed to keep making more money, so I need to get back on that. Definitely. Yeah. All right, so uh, our third option to address uncertainty is called drive discovery. The author Jonah Berger describes it as, um, or gives us an example, supermarkets hand out free samples of smoked sausage on toothpicks. <clears throat> that not only lowers the barrier to trial for sausage. I love sausage. <laughs> lovers, it also grows the set of people who think about buying sausages in the first place. Yeah. So this could be applicable even to our situation. You know, when it well, talks about, I, I, I think we already touched on this with the whole David and Raffle thing. I mean, it's like right. the same thing regurgitated. I don't think we gotta yeah. go over it again. It's the same thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think drive discovery is how I took it. Is takes a creative focus to discover what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So the ice cream thing, the the a sausage thing, mm -hmm. is people have to be able to try it first before they're gonna just start blazing through the door. Right, if right. you can't if you can't fill that gap between the triability, then it's hard for people to actually know who you are. You don't exist because no one knows that you exist, mm -hmm. and they don't want to try it because they're used to what they already have. Well, I kind of wanted to break down um, like Acura, right? It's a luxury brand written in this in this uh, chapter, and so when they were like, "We need to drive discovery in America," how do we get discovered? They didn't go to Motel Six; they went to the W. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. We want people that want to buy luxury cars. We'll give them the option to try this car and they'll get dropped off wherever they want for free if they're using the hotel, mm. right? So in our case, looking for a market of people that want to seek self-improvement and giving our stuff out for free there. Right. That's how we would drive discovery in our case here. That's the only thing I wanted to bring up. Okay. Yeah, I would even, how we're, use, how we're implementing clips from YouTube is a good how we implement that change mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. way for people to identify us. People aren't going to watch two hour. How many people actually watch two hour YouTube clips or YouTube videos in general? A lot of people don't. A lot of people tune into Apple Music or right. Apple Podcasts or 
um, Spotify. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality of things. If you can't tap into an audience that's existed already but don't know who you are, mm-hmm. then you may need to switch things up. I can't hear you on the mic. Me too. I think you turned yourself all the way down. All right. Moving forward. <clears throat> Step uh, the fourth option to address uncertainty is make it reversible. Jonah Berger <clears throat> defines this as just like reducing upfront costs, mm-hmm. shrinking back end friction encourages action, like free shipping and free trials because they reduce people's hesitation about trying something new. Right. Yeah. So reducing uncertainty by making some commitments reversible for free no strings attached it's like if you don't want it you could just send it back or we're good mm-hmm. if the eggs come on the side i send it back <laughs> i knew you're gonna say that i knew i was like one two okay go. <laughs> yeah so i how do you well yeah there's a lot of companies that do that it's the same thing like john's saying i feel that these concepts are almost sort of inner Oh, yeah. same sort of thing make it reversible oh yeah send it back if you don't like it and it overall just reduces the the uncertainty for making a commitment money back guarantees yeah I th- does I that think get it- you guys when you are gonna oh yeah use them? that's why i get new tires at les schwab all the time if i if they give me a warranty versus like buying tires at a used tire shop i'm guaranteed that these will work for 80,000 miles. If it goes anything less than 80,000 miles, they replace them. They send it back. That's well, that's the whole reason yeah, why yeah. I get it, you know? Because they're expensive. For me, for me, the return thing, I'm bad at that. The tire thing is different because it's like a tool, you know, and for my car. Yeah. But, like, let's say, let's say shoes. If I have already bought the shoes, it's a very slim chance I'm returning it. It's because the cost of me driving the store didn't think. And that's just being lazy of me. For example... My little bros bought two pair of shoes. They're still in the boxes. I was like, "Yo, hey, what's up with these?" He was like, "Yeah, they didn't fit." I was like, "But like, you bought them?" And he's like, "Yeah, I, they fit in the store, but I don't know." And they I was fit like, in the well, store. Do I have them? My socks too thick. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I view. He just didn't return them. Yeah, there you go. I view it the same way. If the purchase is is a little bit bigger, tires, for instance. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, there needs to be some kind of guarantee that if these they blow up on me or something. Right. I want to make sure that I'm protected. But if it's shoes, I've I've got 100% gear. I can almost promise you guys that I've bought a pair of shoes that didn't fit and I continued to wear them. <laughs> yeah. Toes in there like this. Yeah. Like smushed or the shoe was too big because I just didn't care. Like Sliding. I was just like, whatever. Like, But that's just personal. That's like uh, preference. But it's having the option, right? If I'm like, oh yeah, you can buy these $160 shoes. If they don't fit, then you can bring them back. If they're too lazy to bring them back, that's on them, but they bought the shoe, you know? It just made you feel a little bit more comfortable with being able to buy these shoes because I have the option to bring them back if they don't work. Yeah, definitely. Right? It just limits, it just, it removes those barricades to, buy, to purchasing. Yeah. Definitely. So I have a quote on um, page 166. It's under the subtitle, Taking Advantage of Inertia. Trials shift people from potential buyers to potential sellers. People become attached to the item. They feel greater ownership of it, and it becomes harder to give it up. And I thought it was interesting, kind of coming back to the mug thing, right? Where it was like, I bought this mug, and I'd be willing to buy it for $3. I own this mug, and I'd be willing to sell it for $5. Right? Same exact mug, right? So when you take, you give somebody something for free, now it's not, oh, maybe I should purchase it, and I'm a, I'm a customer. Now it's more of, I'm an owner, 
mm-hmm. right? Changing that in somebody's mind from, okay, now I own it, people value it more. And I thought it was really interesting. So if like you gave somebody some shoes, now they're ownerships of them, they own them, they're less likely to bring them back. Interesting. They're less likely, or if they sell them, they're going to try and sell them for a higher price. They value them more based on sentiment. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I I think more what this chapter is getting at, that paragraph, how from potential buyers to potential sellers, for example, let's take Milwaukee because you guys know I like Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. I'm a buyer of Milwaukee, but because I've I've invested in the brand and I like the product, I'm a – I am a seller of Milwaukee to people, to friends. I vouch mm-hmm. for them all the time. I, right. think, I think they're the best tool. If someone asked me for advice, I'd go, well, you should buy Milwaukee. It's the best because right. I've already invested into the into the company. So I've gone from a buyer to a seller because I've, I'm already in there, you know? Right. That's it, interesting because that same topic applies to like branding in, in a certain way. Yeah. And Brand loyalty. Yeah, Tribal, yeah, tribalism. Yeah. Why did you pick a Ford Escape? You know what I mean? Could have picked a damn Prius, right? <laughs> Could have. Yeah. The Ford Escape was just because I knew someone that worked at Ford. That was just random. <laughs> well, okay, but how about the other truck you bought, right? The other... I, lo- I like Chevys. I'm a big Chevy guy. Yeah. Silverado. So you're in a community yeah. of people that are Chevy dudes. You see someone driving Chevy, you're like, ah, oh, bro, I love Chevys. Or, oh, Ford Escape? Totally. Hell yeah. Milwaukee? Fuck yeah. 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 I think totally. what Jay was touching on um, towards the end of the, that paragraph, it says, while some people may not be willing to pay the market price to acquire something, many more will be willing to pay that price to avoid losing it. Right. Um, so it sure. becomes more valuable based on what the value they put on it and how much it may cost energy, effort, time to replace it. Um, I feel that. Definitely. All right, I have a quote on 167. I thought it was really interesting. It's on the bottom, the last two paragraphs. I'm gonna read just a little bit of it. It says, think about being single versus dating one person exclusively. When you're single, you actively search for the best partner. You go on dates with different people, compare them, and consider the relative merits of each. You look for a set of desired attributes, and the list often gets longer and longer the longer you search. This makes it less sure. likely that anyone will ever live up to the growing laundry list and more likely that you'll never settle down. When you're dating one person right. exclusively, however, it's a different set of questions being considered and decisions being made. Rather than always looking for other options or wondering whether you could do better, you're focused on the one person you're dating. As long as they're good enough, you keep dating them. And I just wanted to discuss this with you guys. What are your guys' opinions on this? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, I agree. Well, I agree to disagree. Like, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, no. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Um, where I agree with the whole the whole statement, except where it starts to say um, the relationship part, how, how it explains the relationship. As long as they are good enough, you keep dating them. I don't. I don't think people. I don't think it comes from another person. If they're good enough, I think it's within that internally within yourself for instance if you're dating someone and you may not like the way they carry themselves they look their appearance but you continue to do it because it's the easy route Mm. rather than going back out to the marketplace of trying to go on dates trying to impress people trying to impress women that's a lot more of a challenge than trying to stay with someone that you understand likes you for who you are and it may not be what you want in your head but hey that's what you got some people are, are okay to settle with that. Some people aren't. 
so that like the basic i think they just basically underlined it like they just gave like a basic parameter of why people stay in relationships hey, can we but figure uh, that out real quick because this man's gonna be going crazy yeah where's it oh, right here by you yeah he's good um yeah that's that's kind of how i took that i agree with a lot of so it. so you agree with it yeah i agree with it but towards the end of it it's almost like mm, not everybody believes that their significant other is it's not based on the other person being good enough. I think it's what you require in yourself, what you're looking for in a person. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's sexual attributes, if it's financial, if it's if that person doesn't require those, yeah, you may stay with that person for a specific reason, but it's not all the reasons. Mm-hmm. Like if it's sexual, if you want a woman to be more sexually active in the bed and your woman isn't, are you willing to remain with her because she has a lot of money and then go find another woman that is 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 more sexual in the bed so you kind of like i don't know that's just how i took it but i think too like i know people that stay with people that they don't like because it's the familiar thing right mm-hmm. well I think it's now you're dealing with the uncertainty of being single and trying something new mm-hmm. you're still well, dealing with uncertainty. It's the, it's the mug thing like you guys just brought up you know right right mugs only worth two dollars but like you already have the mug you don't want to give the mug up you like it it's yours you know so yeah that's i think that's just how we all if i'm wrong if i'm correct how we all see it in our own like how i see it is me if i were with somebody that hey like you don't fulfill what i'm looking for that's me settling for something that i don't want yeah well the the touchback on jay's original question can you repeat it one more time for me or what page is that so i can just read 167 167. on the bottom it's the last two paragraphs i didn't see it it's It's in the i don't know description yeah the it i don't know it's like an asterisk or something oh okay think is the first word this makes it less likely that okay as long as they're good enough to keep dating i see that all the time yeah I, I would agree with this one hundred percent. You know, w- once you actually start dating somebody and you make that investment to take the leap forward to date them, uh, you kind of get tunnel vision. You, the things maybe that a potential partner, if they would do that, they would kind of get filtered out because you're already invested because you're already in there. You're able to look the other way because there's already been so much investment to come to this point. You know, and mm-hmm. I see with relationships, uh, probably myself in my past relationships. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I agree. Cool. All right. That's all I had. Interesting. Mic drop. Interesting. Mic drop. Um, oh, how about, how about this? Page 168. Yeah. I highlighted, we are all neophobic to some degree. What do you guys think about that? Do you guys think you guys are neophobic? That yes. means a f- fear of, of, of something new? Of just something yeah. new. Yeah. I, I would say no. I like... I like new things. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that we're all neophobic. But it does say to some degree. I say naturally we are. It just depends on what the subject is. I, I would say that we're neophobic. Like, fuck, I don't know. Can't even really think about it right I now. I think I think naturally we are because we get just like how you. If you guys agree with this, then you guys can't say you're not neophobic, because mm-hmm. if you agree that when you go with, if you get with a partner and. Sh- he or she makes you feel very special or you're comfortable or whatever the conversation is, that person fulfills what you need. I don't want to go search for someone else. This person's providing that for me. That's, that's different, dude. A relationship. I don't think I'm being uh, neophobic once you're, once you're, about once that. But that's, how do you, uh, you should, but once you're in a relationship, you shouldn't have to be going to the, I don't have to find somebody new because 
like we're dating you know what i'm saying the whole point of the whole point of dating is to find the partner for life exactly sorry go ahead you know i i think that's i think that's not a good thing to compare the neophobia to because the whole end goal to a successful partnership is that you don't have to do a new one that's it i think it's more about like trying a new workout going exploring uh picking up a new skill uh meeting new people but like so relationship thing that's that's it's supposed to to be long term yeah so that's perfectly so what i what i would what i'm saying is it's it's good for us to have our personal changes within ourselves going to the gym new meeting new people in a sense how i view all those things is evolving you're adapting you're changing you're growing as a person what if your partner isn't growing like you are unacceptable that's what I'm saying is the neo that you may dun, not be, dun. but she may be, or he may be. And are you still going to be attracted to that person as you were when you first met them? Well, that that's not the question, but it's the, it's the change. It's the, it's the neophobia of the, it's a fear of changing. If the, if your boyfriend or your girlfriend, right, that last thing, cause you guys agreed with it. If yeah, but you're asking me the question, are we neophobic? And then you're asking if your partner's neophobic. I, who who fucking cares about my partner talking about me? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, no, you're, you're just combining two questions. I don't think they, they roll together. You know what I'm saying? It's, you're asking two different questions. So the question, what was the question? Are we neophobic? Are we neophobic? I, I asked. Yeah, I asked the question in, individually. Do you guys think you're neophobic to some degree, or just neophobic in general? Like it was an open-ended question. There wasn't oh, okay. like a specific. I, I think it was just interesting because w- when I ask these questions, I'm actually asking them in in a pursuit to identify something within yourself that maybe each of us on the podcast are neophobic about something or our listeners. What what are you sort of neophobic about and why why is that? I'll give you something simple. New shows, new music. I watch the same shows. I listen to usually the same music, like of artists that I like. I, I, I don't typically jump into the new stuff because I don't have any desire to, or I'm just not interested, or I have a fear of finding. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say fear. I don't really like the word phobic, but I, I get it. Like that new, getting into something new, even if it's something as simple as a show or music, like yeah. new hip hop, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just yeah. not hitting for me. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, that makes that makes sense. Something simple like that. Then yeah, yeah, I would say I would, I would say. say naturally in general I would say yeah I'm neophobia because I understand that like that's just it, there's always this voice in my head that doubts me all the time, but I understand that's just my thoughts. That's just how right. my mind works. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't stop me from pursuing the new change. No, I I know that it exists though. I, right. It's always it's always there for me. Right. Yeah. It was it was sort of like for me for um, and it gets into it too. like it talks about the vegetarianism on the next page. Oh yeah. You know, not eating meat is a big switch, particularly if you love bacon or meat and whatnot. <laughs> but things like Meatless Monday provide a low-cost way to test it out. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. You know, just smaller <laughs> things to get you away from meat. But even when I was a vegetarian, I knew I loved the meat. I was still making the, the, the energy to be vegetarian, but yeah. I was just more, <laughs> I guess, invested in my health at the time. Yeah. That's the first thing I always hear, like, oh, you're doing the vegan thing? Dude, you can't have bacon or steak, bro. I know. That's the first thing I hear every single time. Yeah. (laughs) 
I had a shit ton of meat the other weekend too. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 topic really makes it's curious to me, like why people go vegetarian or like vegan. I think to me it's it's totally off topic, but yeah, it's it's curious to me. I would say just to try. I I, I've tried being a vegetarian just to give it a shot for like six months and Mm -hmm. don't think it worked for me. I got too skinny. I for me. My bowel movements were on point. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. That was the biggest reason why I started. That shit, that shit do around. go. That shit do go. Literally. Yeah. I think for me, what really helped with, like, at first it was like I just want to lose weight, right? I want to have a better diet. And what it actually ended up teaching me was structure and a little bit more discipline with my diet. Because before that, it was just you know we'd get food out or whatever all the time. And then sure you so. On these diets, you have to learn how to cook. You have to weigh your stuff. You have to figure out what you're intaking in terms of macronutrients, micronutrients, dude, vitamins, dude. minerals. You have to really jump <laughs> into all that. My nutrients. My nutrients. Now, nutrients. now that I've, I've been home, uh, it's just I eat just one hour's cooked for dinner. <laughs> it's actually, I'm like, oh, yeah, but anyway, let's cheesy potatoes and steak. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I would, ne- I would never do that. Like, it's just so crazy. Oh, yeah. uh, you guys have any more nuts? Uh, no. After this I, one, I, I think I'm good. I would just say one more thing, just off the 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 neophobic thing. You know, I was thinking about it. Uh, like two and a half years ago, I would say I was more I, I was more neophobic, as in I liked where I was at, and I didn't really want change. I wasn't actually looking for it. And like I brought it earlier, I think liking change if that's something that you struggle with neophobia where something new like kind of halts you puts you on pause it's just another muscle in your body you got to work out since then from two years it's been a long time and i think i've been actively pursuing to exercise that muscle so now like i actively look to try new things all the time you know like we brought up the bagel thing i go to uncle harry's and order a new bagel like every other time Mm -hmm. you know Uh, it's just little things and then you're more open to ideas and stuff and you're less scared to try something new to take a a step in the dark exactly i've been trying to even small things into your life to do something a little bit different can do a lot for you sometimes i've been trying to implement it into just random things even when we go out like yes we love going to tower it's the shit's popping whatever but went to splash the other night it was fucking dope um and instead of going immediately out i was like why don't we just try a new place here in downtown fresno so we went to the cosmopolitan super nice, nice and it was different it was a different vibe and it made me feel like even if we're doing the same kind of routine at least it was a little bit different so we're getting a full well-rounded scope of what's actually available within our city sometimes i feel like we're just chasing something when we could just go have fun down the fucking street i don't know right yeah definitely all right totally all right well thank you guys very much for tuning in that was chapter four titled uncertainty of joan uh dr jordan no not even doctor Jonah Burgers, <laughs> The Catalyst, How to Change Anyone's Mind. Thank Good you for tuning in. Signing out. Here. Make sure to drop Work. some likes, comments, anything that you would like to discuss. Um, we're all open. We all have social media. Tap in with us and let us know if you have any ideas. Leave some comments back. below. Yep. Smash that fucking like button, B. Alrighty. All right. That was another episode of Paradigm. We hope you enjoyed the show and we appreciate your viewership. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave us a like, drop a comment down below. You know we love hearing from you. And follow us on all our social media platforms. All the information will be down in the description below. In this week's episode, we talked about Chapter 4 from the book The Catalyst by Jonah Berger. The title of this chapter was Uncertainty. Before I let you go, make sure you remember one thing. The work you put in now equals who you are tomorrow.
Peace.